like lightning. I saw darkness run for cover. But the miracle that I just can't get over, my name is registered in heaven. I believe in sights and wonders. I have resurrection power. That I just can't get over My name is registered in heaven My praise belongs to you forever This is my testimony From death to life Cause grace rewrote my story I'll testify By Jesus Christ the righteous I'm justified This is my testimony this is my testimony. Comes together, sons and daughters, bought with blood and washed in water. Sing the praises of the Spirit, Son and Father. Our God will finish what He started. Oh, our God. We'll finish what he started. This is my testimony from death to life. Cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. you're not done greater things are still to come oh I believe if I'm not dead you're not done greater things are still to come oh I believe if I'm not dead you're not done greater things are still to come oh I believe if I'm not dead you're not done Greater things are still to come, oh, I believe. This is my testimony from death to life, because grace rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony, oh, I'm alive. This is my testimony. From death to life, cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. I had a friend today who um, called me in the midst of our conversations. He, he, he reminded me of a really fun phrase that I always forget. I'm going to try to hold on to it this time, which is that my friend who's a pastor says, you know, John, I only have two types of sermons. I only have two sermons that I give. The first sermon that I give is Jesus Christ is the risen king. And the second sermon I give 
is, let me tell you about his kingdom. Over the last few weeks, we have spent some time talking about the kingdom of our risen Christ. We've talked about going deep, having deep relationships that are built on the ways that we are loved by God and the way we are loved by others. We have spent time talking about last week having deep rhythms. How is it that we can live life through and in Christ with other people to form us in the image of Christ, to form us as people ready to go live and love the way Christ lived and loved? Well, tonight we close this sermon series out um, with a movement towards talking about how to have deep responding. And then how to see that we are sent in the name of Christ into the world. I'm so glad that you're here tonight. And if we haven't met, my name is John. I'm the campus minister. And for those who are joining us on the podcast, we're so thankful that you're here. And thanks for Jaboy for being our engineer. Is that the right word? Sure. Yeah. Podcasty. Um, and so we're so thankful for that. Um, so uh, for those on the podcast, feel free to join in um, and say these things out loud in your car where you're working out, wherever you are. But if you're here, I want you to turn to a neighbor. Um, if you don't have a neighbor, let's make a neighbor. Like Molly Jean says, sometimes it requires you to get up and move around a little bit. So if you've got a neighbor, um, make a neighbor. And I, there's two questions I want to have for you, and these two questions are the following. Number one, what is a really amazing surprise that you have received in your life? Amazing surprise you've received in your life. The second question is a little bit tougher. If we exclude COVID, what is one of the hardest things that you have felt like you've had to respond to in the last three years? COVID's off the table, okay? So I'm going to make you go to something else. So what's the greatest surprise and what's the hardest thing you've had to respond to in the last three years, okay? Make a neighbor. You've got a couple minutes to talk. Go. All right. I hope everybody had a chance to share. Um, if you didn't, be a good neighbor and make sure to give space and time for people after the service. Um, so I'm curious, especially about the first one, what is an, a really amazing surprise that you have received? Tanner. So, uh, my current girlfriend and I, we uh, had stopped talking for a while like before we started dating or whatever. And we had stopped being friends. And then uh, I had broken up with the girlfriend that I was with at the time. I'd broken up with my ex. And then that same week, I went to youth group. And she happened to be there for the first time in a long time, having also just broken up with her partner that same week as me. And that was the start of us talking again. Nice. So the surprise of, surprise of Tanner and now girlfriend coming to a space, both single. It's a great surprise. I like it. Yeah, yeah, it's all right. Uh, <laughs> so new. Yeah. Um, all right, somebody from over here, an amazing surprise. Daniel. When I was a kid, my, my parents got my brothers and I a trampoline for Christmas. Oh. Day, like, snuck it around the house. A trampoline for Christmas. That's awesome. So a trampoline the next morning on Christmas morning. That's awesome. Molly June? This is a good one. So when I was a sophomore in college, I, uh, my parents invited me out for my birthday. My birthday is September 28th. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, my parents invited me out to eat with them until they came to my college. And 
went out with them, went to like a nice restaurant, and then when we were there, they, I, okay, so we were there, and then we left, and we were leaving, we were walking outside, and I like clicked the keys to my car, but the keys that clicked weren't my car, and I was like, mom, that's not my car, and she's like, yeah, it is, we just got it. So they got me a car. Oh, wow. And they must have like switched the keys, because like it was just a key on the Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. A surprise of a new car. Yeah. That is awesome. That's, that's better than what I thought you were going to say, which is like Wesley rolled up at ASP at spring break and John came <laughs> bounding out and that was just the greatest surprise of your life. So, so there you go. Boom! Wesley. <laughs> wow. Uh, does, okay, does anybody on this side want to offer a non-romantic type of surprise? <laughs> Jacob! Jacob's our guy. Yes, Jacob. <laughs> Jacob, what, what do you got? Oh! That surprised us with a foosball table one Christmas. We opened at like 4 a.m. and walked the Christmas tree. Nice. Nice. Sorry. Yeah. Foosball table on Christmas morning. That is awesome. Oh, Blake, you got one? Go for it, bud. Um, I got to get up on stage with like my most, like my favorite musical artist and perform a song with him. Oh, man. I wrote it out on my phone. I got to the show like five hours early to get in line because to me, he's like the coolest person ever. I didn't realize how like not that cool he is. So I was there alone for like four hours waiting for the show. But I got front and center, and I wrote on my phone to let me sing the feature on Cloak and Dagger, and I just held it up, and he's like, am I not? Oh, my gosh. That's, that is awesome. Like, is that on YouTube somewhere? My Instagram. No, your Instagram? Fantastic. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that. I like it. I'm going to have to check that out. That's, that's really awesome. I, I think, I hope everybody's got a good surprise or two. One... Of my um, most amazing, biggest surprises in my life was actually when I was in college. I had, um, I had at one point in time, my, me and two of my friends from the Wesley that I was part of, we, we, had, um, we had an apartment, and I had the, the room that was by the sidewalk. Like, I was the very front room, and I literally, I got this room. It was the biggest room. I had my own bathroom, and literally, my two friends said, you're going to get the one by the sidewalk because if anybody breaks in, they got to go through you first. I don't know how I feel about being the sacrificial lamb, but it also made sense. But one, of the, one, like one night, and this is why I'm remembering all this, is because it was like one of these nights, right? It was like one of the genuinely like first fake fall days that we get. Because remember, guys, just be patient. Next in two weeks is going to be hot. It's just the way that it works. But it, I remember it because it was a night where everything felt really, really good. And so I took the window that's by the sidewalk, not my brightest idea, and I just opened it up. And the breeze felt good, and it felt good. And I fell asleep, and it was just wonderful. And then at 3.35 in the morning, yes, I know the exact time, 3.35 in the morning, this guy who had been, we'll call it overserved, walking down the sidewalk, stumbles in and then like jumps in from, from the window directly into my bed at 3.35. I was not happy that he was in my bed. He wasn't happy because I started to spoon him. <laughs> but we became friends. I helped him. I helped him get out of my bed quickly. 
um, we had a, a very frank and a very quick conversation. And fortunately, there was a fun kind of thing that happened afterwards, which is that it woke up every, all of my roommates. It woke up my friends who had apartments beside us. And then all of a sudden, there are like 12 Wesley people over at my apartment at 3.35 in the morning with our new friend. And so why not? We made pancakes. And I made a new friend. That was a pretty big surprise in my life. Can we, this is going to be hard, because I know probably what, I know what some of your answers might be, right? What's the hard thing you've had to deal with in the last three years? What's, what's the hard thing? For some of you, it's maybe the thing you're dealing with now. Matt, yeah. Uh, losing my closest friend this year in April. Yeah, losing a best friend in April. Anybody else want to throw it out there? Bradley? Yeah. And I didn't even think to check my Friday availability. That's the one Friday football game that I have to go to. Oh, man, yeah. Because like, we had everything planned all day and all that. So it's just perfect. Yeah. So looking forward to that. And, you know, you can't. Hmm. It's hard. Be over here for, like, share something that's been hard in the last three years you've had to respond to. Yeah, working at camp, which means a lot, but it was also a lot. Yeah. I, I think for me, um, even just in the last three years, I feel like it has been a hard thing to respond to coming out, like in the middle of COVID and coming out of COVID. Like I, the way I would define it is I see people kind of locked up. Locked up. It. I don't know whether it's because there's been some years we have missed in developing relationships and going deeper. I don't know if it's years of we've learned to live our, we're trying, we tried to live our lives without some contact and some connection. I don't know if it's the, if it's just kind of the movement maybe of our culture of, of not being open or vulnerable or maturing or growing, but we just, we've locked up and we've locked away. I feel like that's been a hard thing for me to respond to a little bit. Um, as someone who, and like many of you, who believe deeply in community and connection, who knows who know the power of openness and, and, and vulnerability and know the work that it takes, but also knows the great joy that when we come out of these shells that we try to live in, it's a tough thing to respond. And, and I'll go ahead and tell you, there have, been, there have been so many things, right? I feel like there are so many things in the last three years. I feel like just in the beginning of like 2020 and 2021, there were like nine world-level catastrophes happening at once. I feel like every time there's, I check my phone, there is a, uh, there is a death, a flood, a tornado, a problem. There is a a host of things that constantly bombard my daily life that come from my family, 
my friends, that come from professors, that come from our majors, our parents. There is just a storm that's always brewing. And so it makes sense that we might want to start locking ourselves away, shielding us from all these things. At best, we might lock ourselves away and don't know how to respond to all these things. But at its worst, we might be responding in unhealthy ways. Our scripture tonight is from the Gospel of John. And this is a resurrection story. Barbara's going to come and read it. And this is, this is a difficult moment in the lives of some people who had to respond. Come on, Barbara. John 20, 19 through 23. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Thank you, Barbara. I pray that God blesses the reading and the hearing of God's holy word. The, the context of this story, and thanks again, Barbara, for reading that. The context of this story is that this is one of the resurrection appearances of Jesus. In the first part of John 20, we have Jesus appearing to Mary Magdalene in the garden. That this, this person that had been her, her teacher, her friend, appears out of nowhere. And she kind of mistakens as a gardener. And she's looking for Jesus' body. And it's finally not until he calls her name. And kind of then that's when she recognizes that Jesus Christ is risen. Man, there's a whole like sermon just in that, I think, of the ways in which the risen Christ is calling you by name in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the difficulty. Then you have this story. Then the story that comes after it is actually a moment in which all these disciples that Barbara just read about, they're so excited, they run through the streets, and they're running and tell people that Jesus Christ is risen. And there's this guy named Thomas who, who they, he just says, hold up, I don't know that I'm going to believe this. I really need to see his hands, his feet feel his side before I'm actually going to believe this. And this story is so much so, we end up calling him Doubting Thomas. Now, that's not in the scripture. And to be fair, they all doubted too. There's a whole entire sermon probably about the fact that Jesus, when meeting doubts, says, just come and see. And that doubts, and I'll say this again, doubts are not a bad thing. Doubts are a process of faith. You're going to doubt. Jesus' response to people doubting is to say, come and see, feel, and know. There's also probably a sermon in the whole Thomas story that Thomas' issue wasn't his doubts. The Thomas' issue is that he wasn't present. That if you want to see Christ, you've got to be present. Present in community, present to the people around you, present to the way that Christ is moving all the time. Those are all great sermons, but the the scripture tonight, the one we just read, think about it. These disciples were in a locked room. They've been terrified. They've been scared. They've maybe heard a few rumors that Jesus is risen. And it's there Jesus shows up and surprised them. I want to turn quickly to the people just are around you 
And I, I would like to, I'm wondering about this question. How would have you have responded? If you were one of the disciples in that room, how would you have responded? Turn to your neighbor and go. I, I really, I've thought about this a thousand times, and I don't, I, I probably would have been shocked. I probably would have been scared. I would have been terrified, just like the disciples were. But there's this, this great phrase that I'm all, always hang on to that one of my mentors, Bishop Joe Pennell, always said, is that surprised people usually act poorly. Surprised people usually act poorly. You don't necessarily get the best version of someone when they're truly, truly, truly surprised. Some of that's probably because there's a little bit of a fight-flight kind of thing happening, but that when you're truly surprised, you don't get the best version of people. That's why I try to caution anytime we've tried to surprise our children, I try to caution myself and my wife and everybody else to be able to say, they may not respond the way you think they are going to respond. Surprised people hurt people also usually respond and not their best. And I'm going to tell you that I believe that in the last several years, we have collectively worked and are working through deep trauma. We have all experienced critical levels of anxiety and stress and, not, and the normal everyday things that we have been dealing with for thousands of years, that college students have been dealing with for so long, are now very critical because of the nature of the, which our culture has been living. And because of that, every little thing can be a surprise that will offer an opportunity for us to not be at our best. That we get surprised in daily living because of this way that feels like we're constantly responding out of stress. We're responding out of fear. That ultimately, not to be like overdramatic about it, but from a scriptural standpoint, that, we, that we're kind of living with one foot in the grave all the time. And it's hard to respond well to things. It's hard to respond well when a friend offers you a a piece of a truth you don't want to hear. It's hard to respond well when a professor changes an assignment at the last minute. It's hard to respond well when there's that voice in there's a voice in your head that is telling you that you're not good enough. It's hard to respond well when the things of your life don't work out perfectly. It's hard to respond well. It's hard we respond as though are people that are fearful and terrified. People who have been locked away, it's hard because we, we respond like people that are in the grave. Our responses are often shallow and not meaningful. Our responses are often ones that we say and we want to be able to take back. Our responses are not deep. And that's what I want to challenge you with tonight. I want to challenge you with this different mindset. That when things are going to happen, how do you respond deeper? How do you respond as risen Christ? How do you respond as one who is practicing resurrection? That term, practicing resurrection, is... One of my favorites is by a, a theologian and a farmer and a poet. I have been a couple of those things in my life. 
His name is Wendell Berry, and Wendell Berry likes to say the term, what does it mean to practice resurrection? That Jesus Christ is risen, and if we are going to be risen with Christ in my daily work, in my choices, in my movements, in my words, in my actions, in my deeds, and how I respond, can I respond by practicing resurrection? By, by in Christ moving things from death to life from darkness to light, from hate to love? How do I work in a way that builds people up, builds myself up, instead of tearing down? That's practicing resurrection. Practicing resurrection for me is also in the reminder that we live out the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christ is living and working in us, and we together are the koinonia, the body of Christ, ready to go into the world and to be Christ in situations where we're not sure where Christ is. Ultimately, what I think this means in the light of this scripture, in the light of our series, is that it means responding with the posture, presence, peace, and power of a risen Christ. If I was to hold up a mirror to myself right now, I, 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 don't even, I can't even begin to confess the number of things in my last 24 hours that I did not respond practicing resurrection. That I didn't respond deeply or that I didn't respond with the posture of who Jesus Christ is. That I'll confess that I don't know that in the last 24 hours and everything that I've done, have I offered the presence of Jesus Christ? Have I offered the peace of Jesus Christ? Have I offered and done things in the power of the risen Christ? I confess that. What would your last 24 hours look like? Your last 48? Your last week? Your last three weeks? Your last three years? Are you responding in a way that is shallow and gravely? Or deep and leads to life? We, we've got to respond as Christ because apparently the hits are going to just keep on coming. The traumas, the crisis, the difficulties, they have not stopped and they will not stop. But we continue to respond like Christ so that things on earth become like they do in heaven. So where and what is responding like Christ look like? I, I think for me, I, I've been working on this for the last couple of weeks and I think there's these four categories of where we have to respond like Christ. First is personally. Do you respond to yourself as the way Christ would? Do you respond to how you think, your emotions, your feelings, your time, your energy? Are you personally responding to yourself like the risen Lord? Practicing resurrection, giving life and depth. A second place is interpersonally, between you and another person or persons. Between two people, are, do you speak as Christ speaks? Do you love as Christ loved? Do you, do you help? Do you serve? How is it that you're doing that with your friends, your roommates, your classmates? I'm wondering if we are responding to Christ communally. This is one of the things I love about our Wesley community is that I often say we're far from perfect, but we're also far from being awful. Because at least we know that we're imperfect. 
How, as a community, whether this is your community at Wesley or your community in the band, your community of your study group, the community of your family, does your community, is it responding as Christ responds? And lastly is missionally. From a missional standpoint, do we recognize that we are being sent into this world to be a witness to the power and the saving work of Christ our Lord? That that there are situations and places that need us to respond as Jesus Christ. There's there's like a plethora of stories from the missional field that basically go like this, that uh, some people were hurting. Some people had their homes destroyed. Some people were separated and alone and lost. And they prayed and they prayed, Oh Lord, will you send, will Christ, Oh God, will you come and relieve us? Others didn't respond to that call. Others didn't respond to go be the witnesses of Christ's work. But what is it we can offer? What is it that we can offer as we are responding as Christ? This this scripture, I think, highlights four quick things of what we can offer people if we are going to respond deeply as sent people of Jesus Christ. The first one is to offer peace. The first thing that Jesus does when he hits into the locked room is he says, peace be with you. In fact, Jesus utters this phrase again in this scripture. Jesus, that is like the number one thing Jesus said post-resurrection. Peace be with you. Because I will tell you, I watch my life. I see your life. I see the lives of people around me. And quite frankly, there are really great things that we need to say pretty often. Peace be with you. Offer peace, not drama, not critique. The first and number one thing we need to offer to each other if we're going to respond to anything like Jesus Christ is to offer peace. Be an instrument of peace. A second thing that Jesus did is he listened. They, they, we have in a record, they wanted to see, they wanted to feel, they had questions, they had lots of thoughts. And in this moment, Jesus listened. There is such an incredible thing to do that in the midst of a difficult moment, it is okay to respond by breathing and listening. I don't know about you, but I feel the pressure to have a response for everything right now. All the time. We have a culture that tells us that we have to respond to everything quickly, as fast as you can go. But here, we see that Jesus takes a breath and that Jesus listens. That's a Christ-like response that our world needs to have. We also can see that our response needs to be spirit-led. How are we prayerfully breathing in the Holy Spirit, asking for God to come and help us? Right? I, I don't know how many times, right? This is a cool thing. It's great. People come to my office and say, I don't know what to do about this thing. And I've begun, just so you know, be prepared. If you come to my office, in the last couple of years, I've responded with, have you prayed about it? Not that prayer is the automatic answer or you're going to get a burning bush or, to, or, or someone that will tell you exactly or the Mufasa voice is going to come down and explain anything. But have you prayed about it first? Have you asked the Holy Spirit of God that is living and moving to lead your steps? 
that's a great first start of responding to something. I'll also tell you that Jesus' power in resurrection is that on the 10,000 things he could have said, he ends this time with his disciples by saying, offer forgiveness. Offer forgiveness. If we are going to respond to things as Christ, we have to offer forgiveness. So that's what we are looking at doing. That we are going to respond deeply to all the things that are coming to us. And to remember that you have been given the peace, the power, the posture, and the presence of Jesus Christ. And that you are sent in the name of Christ. Never underestimate who you are as a child of the King and what a resurrected Lord is going to do in you. Do not think that you are not sent for just a time as this. That you're sent to that classmate that seems like they're having a difficult day. That you're sent to someone who is struggling. Sent to be one that can offer a listening ear. That you are sent. And that you can do that all your days. Responding deeply is very difficult. I, there's no way, no way around that. And in order to respond well, we often have to be reminded of what Christ's kingdom is about. And we also kind of need to be filled in order to do this work. That's why we go to Holy Communion. Communion is a space in which we remember of all that God has done. It's also a place that we recognize that it's a holy mystery. We all don't know exactly all that it's doing. But we come anyway. When you come, know that this table is open for all. The table does not belong to me, to this ministry, to anyone but Jesus Christ. And Christ invites all of you to come. Christ invites you to come because you were made in the image of God and because God wants you to move from the grave into life. And that God wants you to move from shallow living. You did that so well. He wants to move from shallow living into deeper living. This is God's little way of a reminder that God will catch you. That God's got you. It was on the night that Jesus betrayed, he took his disciples into the upper room. And there, with those that would be in a locked, that locked room later, it's there he offered them peace. It's there he washed their feet. It's there he listened. It's there they prayed, and then it's there when he even offered forgiveness for the ones that would betray him and deny him. It's at that table he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Take, eat, and do this in remembrance of me. Because after the meal, he took the cup and he shared it with them. And he said, this is the blood of my new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Let's confess, we don't, often know how to respond 
Let's confess that we respond shallowly. Let's confess that we don't respond as Christ. But the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, and through this holy act, we might begin to learn how to respond deeply. Will you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, we give you thanks. And we celebrate the many ways that you are calling us into a deeper life. I pray, O oh God, that we can take our feet out of the grave, not live like we're dying, but live as people who have become alive in you. May you give us a way to change the way that we respond to the world, to others, and to ourselves. I pray, O oh God, the beginning of this work may be us responding to your invitation at this holy act to remember that we are loved, to remember that you are forming us, and that you're sending us in your holy name. I pray, O oh God, that you pour out your Holy Spirit upon these gifts. May the bread and the cup be for us the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. In turn, O oh God, pour out your Holy Spirit on all of us gathered here, that we may be your body, redeemed by your blood, and sent deeply into this world. I pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
So I-